tonight, the world's first 3D concert. Psycho Circus Tour. Saturday, November 28th at Rochester's Blue Cross Arena. The first time in history. All four original members in 3D. Ace Freely, Paul Stanley, Peter Chris, Gene Simmons. Tickets will go on sale this Saturday. All right, Kiss Army. You wanted the best. You got the best. Now close your eyes. You're about to be podcast. And welcome to your podcast. Right now, I'm joined by Matt Porter. How are you doing today, Matt? Great, Ken. How are you? I'm doing okay. And now, Matt, here's your theme music. Meet, meet you in the kiss room. Meet, meet you in the kiss room. That is pretty cool. <laughs> nice. Right now, what's going on in the world of Kiss? Everyone's talking about the Samurai Sun. What are your thoughts on the whole Samurai Sun backing tape debacle? I'm surprised that uh, that they did it, but I think I understand. I mean, obviously, they're trying to recreate that song. It's something they haven't really played live very often. Maybe Paul's voice can't do it justice that night, and it's their backup plan. I, I don't know. I mean, you think back to the 80s, everybody had a keyboard player who was playing all the background vocals, so it's not really like anything super new. Right. And the weird thing is is that when he actually sang it without the backing track the next night, it actually sounded better. I, I think the, the whole song was better without the extra gimmicks and stuff like that. You know, he may have known that night, look, my voice doesn't feel right, just maybe slide that stuff in. You know, maybe he's just kind of made a quick call to go that way. And here's Kiss doing it without the extra stuff. So, Osaka, right now, we have a big hit, a big hit. And there's two versions, one with Homokuro. <laughs> And we have our version called Samurai Sun. And it goes like this.
so you decide what you think about it and let us know on the Facebook pages either on the Kiss Room Facebook page or on the Podkiss Facebook page we are one well Matt joining us right now at Podkiss Central is our Podkiss question girl Candy hi Candy and roving reporter yes and roving <laughs> reporter how are you today Candy hey Candy what's up I'm fantastic how are you guys doing we're doing great I know that Psycho Circus is one of your favorite Kiss albums. Oh, it's not one of my favorites. It is my favorite. Ah. That's my all-time favorite Kiss album. <laughs> Excellent. Well, what's what's the question for the folks on this episode? All right. So Matt Porter posted in the Kiss Room uh, Facebook page. He wants to know, what are your favorite songs off of Kiss Psycho Circus side one? So that would be the first five tracks. Do you have a favorite off those? There's Psycho Circus uh, bar, within. Bar none off the first five tracks, it's got to be the title track, Psycho Circus. Okay. Well, we will let folks know how that turned out. Thanks for voting, and uh, thank you, Candy. Anytime. We asked in our 1998 The Rise of Psycho Circus episode, on Podcast 102, we asked a question. And we put that on our Facebook page. And the question was, do you think that Kiss should have told us that they used other people playing on the album, or should they have kept it a secret like they did? Uh And we had two answers that people could pick from. Yes, Kiss should have come clean and let us know who all played what on the album. Or no, it doesn't really matter. It is still Kiss to me. I enjoy it for what it is. A whopping majority of people said, no, it doesn't really matter. It is still Kiss to me. I enjoy it for what it is. So it was 59 people versus the 15 people that said, yes, Kiss should have come clean. So the the majority of Kiss fans, based on this, and only this, feel that it's still, still Kiss and they enjoy it for what it is. So let us know what you think. Hey now. Hi. Today we have Gary Schaller joining us. It is not Gary Schaller, it is Commissar Krell, and I will destroy the Dangar the Ace. Oh my god. Andrew Scambetti. What happened to being called like an esteemed panel? Because like when you introduce us like the esteemed panel, and I'm like, woo, I'm esteemed. Alright, here we go. (laughs) And today we are joined by an esteemed panel. We are going to play hooky. With the Wookiee, Matt Porter. What's up, Ken? Crazy, crazy nights. Craig Cohen is here. <laughs> I finally found my way back to the podcast. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Good night, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Andrew, lick it up, scumbetty. I is lick it up to my new name. All right, I, I'll take it. It's it good. is today. <laughs> Ken just doesn't want to say that you make him rock hard. Right. <laughs> <laughs> And Gary, music from the Elder Shower. Gary watching you, Shower. There we go. Well, today we are continuing our look at the Psycho Circus era of Kiss. And today we're actually going to dive into side one of Psycho Circus. Now, guys, we could all have a show where we just keep repeating over and over and over again how it's sad that the original guys didn't play on everything and that it wasn't a true reunion album. But I'm going to go around and I'm going to say, do you really think that Psycho Circus was the best that Kiss could do at the time, Matt Porter, and were you disappointed? You know what? I mean, I actually have a very long answer to that, 
but I'm not going to necessarily do it right this second. But I, I don't. At the time, I wasn't really disappointed. I think you know it. It, it sounds like a good album, and yeah, you could kind of guess that there wasn't involvement from them all. And you got to remember, it's pre-internet, so there wasn't everybody to tell you that it sucked before they even listened to it. <laughs> but at the time, you know what? I liked it. You know, it. It ha- I have a lot of love for the album. It has a lot to do with what was going on in my life at the time. And uh, that's the short answer. Yeah, I, I really uh, – this, this is an album that I have a lot of affection for. Craig Cohen, what are your thoughts? I think given the amount of time they had to make the album, I think that they delivered the best album that they could um, regardless of who was playing on it. I think the, the level of songwriting is there for me. Overall, the album sonically just sounds great. It's one of the better sounding Kiss albums. So uh, there was no disappointment on my end. Gary Schaller. At the time, I, I was just ecstatic with the album. I, I I still think some of the songwriting is brilliant. I, I agree with Craig that as far as the sound of the album, it, it, it's excellent. It's top five uh, for a Kiss record uh, in terms of just the audio production and the spirit of the lyrics and the, and the excitement of the music. All of it, uh, the celebratory tone, I, I think just captured perfectly what the past year and a half or two years of being a KISS fan had felt like at that time. What an incredible party. And it was a victory lap. I mean, you know, like we talk these days about like how many songs Paul Stanley writes about climbing mountains and scaling heights and so on. That actually really felt like it. Andrew War Machine Scambetti. (laughs) 13-year-old Andrew freaking loved the album. I was so happy to get it and I was like, oh my god, the cover's in, in 3D and look, oh, I put it in my CD-ROM and there's a screensaver and, <laughs> you know, just when you say things like that to a 13-year-old, I mean, now it doesn't matter. But then you were like, holy crap, this is the best thing ever recorded. And so now here we are in 2015, if I put on Psycho Circus now, I still think more than half the album is great. So it, I like Psycho point? Circus. Yeah, and isn't that the I, point though, right? Yeah, I like Psycho Circus a lot and it Every time I put it on, it takes me back to buying it. Well, I didn't buy it. My mother bought it for me. It takes me back to that time my mother bought me the album, you know, watching them on Mad TV, watching them on the Ultimate Halloween Party. It takes me back to a great time being kissed. And so I love Psycho Circus. This is my kiss. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because you mentioned being 13. That's about how old I was when <laughs> Rock and Roll All Over and Destroyer came out. So, yeah, definitely. And uh, it was an amazing time to be a Kiss fan. It was like Kiss World had continued from the time of the reunion to the time that this came out. I remember going to buy the uh, single that came with the video cassette. And, you know, Kiss was on. That's VH1 right. I forgot about that. All that stuff. So did anybody else all look, these try to look at too. the video with a flashlight to see what CD you got, so you can get all four CDs? <laughs> oh, oh wow. that's brilliant! Wow, that's what I did. And and you that's had great. the uh, magazines that were all out at the time, and all the toys and everything from the Psycho Circus video game, it really was the closest to recapturing 20 years later, 1998, what we experienced in 1978. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll even take it a step further, even though you know I wasn't, I wasn't doing all that in 78. I'll take it a step further and say that what made this even more dramatic in a way, I, I think, was that there was a, it wasn't just that KISS was the unifying concept. There was also a unifying concept in the whole Psycho Circus thing. You had the comics, you had the action figures, mm-hmm. you had the album, of course, you had the tour, all, all under this sort of banner of Psycho Circus. And for me, I mean, it was like, 
geez, this is like Kiss does a Star Wars thing, you know, where there's a whole, um, you know, you have the franchise and then you have the the the, the sub franchise, so to say, or the sub line, right? You know, and that was phenomenal. Absolutely. Uh, again, in the same respect that we talked about Destroyer being a semi quasi concept album, I feel that this album is as well. The, the only difference is, is that Bob Ezrin and Kiss were able to make an album based on what Kiss was at the time, and Psycho Circus to me is them trying to make an album about what they wanted Kiss to be and their relationship with their fans. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense actually. It's a really, I, I hadn't thought of it that way. It's a great way of putting it. It, it, it there's a sense of urgency about Psycho Circus where for Destroyer there's a sense of immediacy and, or maybe just a kind of a sincerity that, you know, unfortunately may be lacking in Psycho Circus. Right. Yeah, I, I want to take you guys back in time a little bit. You know, back in time, back to, it's probably like January, maybe even April of 1998. Might even be a little later after that. I had just gotten on the internet and I'm on Kiss Asylum and I'm reading on Kiss Asylum about Psycho Circus. And I remember my first thought at that time was, this isn't true. This, this isn't happening. There's no way it's happening. And then the months and months came on, and I was like, holy crap, this is happening. Did anybody else, because Kiss Online really wasn't a thing back then. Uh, I think Kiss FAQ was just starting, and Kiss Otaku was, was just starting around that time, too. But Kiss Asylum <laughs> was the place to go for Kiss News. Did right. anybody else log on to Kiss Asylum and was like reading about Psycho Circus? Every day Absolutely. that I could. I used yeah. to have to go to a library. Right, yeah. At sc- I had to be at school sort of to get the, you know, like the not dial-up. I gotta admit I was actually pretty out of the Kiss loop when the whole album was was coming out I had gotten really excited for the reunion but the only time I saw them then was when they did the Brooklyn Bridge performance for the the VMAs I didn't even see the, the reunion tour so I'm not really sure what was going on in my life at the time but I wasn't as tapped into what Kiss was doing every minute of every day Matt you know what, like- 96 to me, like when you think about the reunion tour, and I mean, like, you know, some people saw him multiple times. I saw him in Madison Square Garden, and I saw him at the, in Philadelphia. The core states had just opened up. You know, that was like so off the charts. The reunion tour for me was unbelievable. So then as it kind of moved into 97, 98, you know, you wanted, I guess, talk about going back in time, you want that feeling of being 10 years old. They mm-hmm. were back. But it was still the kind of thing you had to line up for tickets at the Ticketmaster. You had to know somebody. And it, it, if you knew people that were into it, you talked about it. I don't really remember that much going online and looking at stuff. It was still kind of that fun kind of word of mouth. You know, it was just it was a totally different time. I think it was the excitement of, wow, we've been waiting for this for so long. The reunion tour happened and they were going to do an album? It was just so exciting. I think it's <laughs> interesting that Andrew's experience or thoughts were the same thoughts that we had, Gary, Matt, and Craig, you know, that because we had come up through it earlier, that how long can this go on? It, it, you know, it was like, it was amazing. It was like, I remember every weekend, it was almost like, it's still happening, it's still happening. I remember when I saw them on the reunion tour, and even when they were coming around again for the Lost Cities tour, I was like, this is it. This is it. I mean, this is Kiss. I, I probably, you know, you know, I take that back. It probably wasn't a unique thought that I had myself. Someone had probably told it to me because let's face it, I was 12 years old at the time. I didn't really have a grasp of things like I have now. So I'm sure someone had put the idea in my head that the reunion tour was going to be Kiss's swan song. 
Yeah. So when you started hearing all the stuff about Psycho Circus, everyone was like, this isn't happening. And then you were like, oh my god, this is happening. Well, I remember, uh, you know, you mentioned Kiss Asylum and Kiss Otaku. I remember people speculating that we'd get the reunion tour and then get back with Eric and Bruce. Right. Yeah, I, re- I remember that too. And furthermore, to add to that speculation is Carnival Souls was put out after the reunion tour. I know it was recorded before the reunion tour, but you kind of thought it was, okay, is this the return to face? Are we going back to this? Yeah, hence the, you hence didn't know. the album cover being what it wound up being, right? You know, this picture of the unmasked uh, Eric and Bruce lineup with the yeah. whole the final sessions, you know, I can think letters. Dun, dun, dun. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I, 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 did, I was on the internet a lot. I, um, I read o, o, Otaku and or Asylum, you know, every day that I could, like you can. Um, and I, I generally spoil stuff for myself. I've I've been spoiling the the new Star Wars movie for myself, reading rumors, and I I spoiled the Psycho Circus record. It was painful to read the rumors that you know it wasn't going to be all the guys and all that stuff. Um, but what was more pressing and more exciting was just like you're saying, uh, um, Andrew. It's just they're making a new album, mm-hmm. and it's going to be those four. You know, clearly it's going to have those four guys on it. And clearly it's going to be exciting, right? According to what it says on KissMonster.com, and and this kind of sums it up, it's pretty obvious that there are other players on the album, mainly Tommy Thayer providing the majority of lead guitar and Kevin Valentine on drums. The only song the original four members play on is Into the Void. As we go track by track, we will let you know what we know or what has been speculated on as to who played what. So let's go to the first track. Psycho Circus. You're in the thoughts on Psycho Circus? You know, I love it. I mean, I, I really think as far as an opening, you know, you have that kind of long, kind of uh, creepy little intro. It's almost a callback to the opening of Destroyer in the fact that it kind of leads into the song, and obviously you're hearing all those kind of backwards sounds, and, and then it starts to work into the actual kind of circus motif sound. And by the time that song explodes, I'll tell you, it's it was a great way to start the album. It was great when they have done that live, you know, as the opener on, on the tour. Um, I thought, you know, what a way to start an album. And if you're going to call an album Psycho Circus, you have a song that strong. That's fantastic. And we have Bruce Kulick on bass. Craig Cohen, your thoughts? Wow, I didn't know that Bruce Kulick played bass on that song. That's, uh, that's uh, kind of crazy. It's a classic song. It's for me was a great indicator that Kiss was back in a certain sense, you know, in terms of writing a certain type of song after coming off of Revenge and and what they were sort of doing uh, around that era. So to me, it sounded like a return to at least a classic kind of songwriting. Um, I love the concept of the song. I love the, the lyrics. Um, the idea of makeup running off of Paul's face, just a lot of the visuals that it creates. And I love that guitar break, regardless of who plays it. Andrew? Great song. I remember listening uh, on W959, the rat radio out of, you know, oh, yeah. uh, out of New Jersey. They kind of leaked the track early, and I remember hearing it for the very first time. Because remember, BitTorrent didn't exist at this time. You couldn't download the album six months before it came out. You weren't getting a YouTube leak. There, none of that was happening. So when a radio station leaked it, you were like, holy crap, you couldn't believe this. Mm-hmm. 
I love the song just as much as I do now as I did the first time I heard it back in 1998. Well, think about how much things have changed over the years. For example, if a new Kiss album came out today, you wouldn't run to your local classic rock radio station to hear it. You wouldn't waste your time. Right. You'd go right to the internet. So that's something that has left us along with Best Buys and record departments and things like that. So... Actually, I yeah. will say this. Kiss is the only artist that I still buy physical copies of albums for. Yeah, I everything the, everything uh, else I'll, I'll download it, you know, whether it's free if I can't find it or I'll pay for it if I can find it. But Kiss is the only one that I'll go and I'll purchase it. I just got the Moramoi Clover Zeta versus You could go Retsu then. No, no. <laughs> Jumbo Machinda. Did anybody else call the Juko Retsu then R-rated student? That's what I thought it sounded like. I was like, not a rated student. But uh, the packaging is really great, and uh, it was great to buy a Kiss CD. Whether I really care all that much for it or not is another thing, but it's nice (laughs) to buy that in 2015. Psycho Circus was written by Paul Stanley and Kurt Cuomo. It's a a pretty good song, and it's survived even to this last year as an opener, so it's pretty cool. Say, and we'll find out in a couple of days if it's still in the set or an opener on the Japanese tour. Mm-hmm. I think it's Art. a perfect Kiss song. I, I, I do. I really think it's a perfect Kiss song. I think, for me, um, the maturity of it in terms of the lyrics and the musicianship um, was exactly what I was hoping Kiss would sound like if those four guys made a new record at that time. In other words, like it was 1998. What would it, what would it be if they went back in the studio? And then when I heard that song, I said, this is what I was hoping it would be. The, the other thing that I so adore about the, the title track for Psycho Circus is I took my brother, I mean, you've heard this story on podcast many times, but my, my brother Brian is uh, 11 years younger than I am, and I think he was, yeah, he was 11 in 1998. I took him to his first concert ever, which was Kiss at the Meadowlands in 1998, and having them, and he was just, like through the roof excited you, you know i he was well well prepared for his first kiss concert and having them open with hello here i am here we are we are one i've been waiting for this night to come like it it, it he was just so over the moon uh, with joy and those are the perfect words to encapsulate what it's like remind me of uh harry Shearer on saturday night live where he was the swimming guy for the olympics <laughs> with uh, christopher guest and they do that i see you there you are here i am oh here god <laughs> anyway that's funny yeah <laughs> okay matt so from the kiss room facebook page who picked psycho circus as their favorite track you know what psycho circus got some of the most responses and we did it we got a ton of people that replied but Psycho Circus, Byron Salzano, Lee Michaels, John Barbieri, a.k.a. Johnny Smoke, <laughs> Emily Harding, Mikhail Burel, Scott Parker, Nigel Dranier, Matt Williamson, who is actually the host of Feel the Noise, the Monaco Radio. You should tune in every Monday night. Rob Spear, Brent Zayas, Alan Hanner, Jim Cleary, Brandon Abinder, Justin Kirby, Steve Mitchell, Werner Crammel, Bob Brodsky, one of my best pals on the planet. Tim Coates, Sean Paruka, Uh Mitch McLean, Brian Key, Patricia Golden, Lenny Moreno, Brian Shear, Keith Karen, Brian 
It's Abram Sync. That's almost like Sinzak. Wow, we got to work on that. Scott Bursky, Seymour Pierce, Tony Lewis, Ali Barnes, and Anthony Poole all the way down in Australia saying Psycho Circus was their favorite. Excellent. Our next track is Within. Written by Gene Simmons. And Bruce Kulig plays the backwards guitar intro. Matt Porter, your thoughts on Within? You know, it's funny when you think about this album, Gene really is trying to do something different. Really, none of the songs are about sex. You know, you don't have one song that's, you know, I'm going to meet the girl and bend her over and blah, 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 and it don't mean spit to me or sweet pain. or whatever. It's all these kind of, you know cryptic kind of lyrics the uh i like the creepy kind of elder almost intro you hear those voices kind of like Like looming in the background kind of thing the um it's got kind of like a hypnotic kind of vibe with the backward guitars and you know it's funny in a way i mean obviously we're going to talk about it as we go through the fact that okay bruce did the guitar part on this and it's a you know a carnival of souls demo in a way i almost wish they would do a record like this now where yep. everybody participated and it was credited. You know, like the fact that here we were again when this album came out and it was the same as the 70s. We're telling people it's the original four, but it's not. Mm-hmm. They should do this now. Bring Bruce in and write some songs with him. You know, we're, we're only going to get so many chances for one more album. And I think if they were to do one where Bruce comes in, look, Vinny, come in and do one more song with us. I would love that. Would he show up with his lawyers? You know what? You say, look, show up. This is your last chance, pal. We'll pay you a couple dollars. You don't have to live in that burned-out house or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. You know, it's at some point, you know, I think everybody has to look at, you know, and what a great story if he could get himself together and do it. You know, it would be a real kind of return for him maybe. You never know. You never know what's going on in anybody's head. It's hard to say. But, I mean, not to get too, too far off the track, but I really like this song. I think, uh, you know, Gene was trying to do some different things. It almost It's almost like a creepy kind of a Gene. Like, you know, you picture him kind of in some kind of mystic room or something. I like it. It's kind of, uh, again, uh, Gene wanting to be Paul McCartney or the Beatles. So that badly. influence seems to be all over this album. Gene yeah. clearly is going back for a heavier kind of a beetle absolutely influence you right on the money well when you think about it there was a mandate from the producer and paul that we weren't going to do the fuck me suck me song so you know right you're pretty much clipping gene right at the legs there so what are you gonna do right yeah. or the bat wings <laughs> the bat wings yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah but here's the thing though are you i mean i know that he plays that character in kiss and i i yes and i'm sure that he enjoys intercourse as much as the next person but um the thing i think about gene is that that 1978 solo album wasn't all, you know, fuck me, suck me stuff. In fact, Correct. I think maybe two songs were like that, yeah. you know? Um, what impresses me so much about Gene is uh, the kind of songwriting he does that where you do hear the McCartney thing, whether it's like, uh, what is it, Much Too Soon, uh-huh. that outtake from Love Gun, or anything that's on The Elder, or songs like Within. Andrew? I actually really like this song, and I remember when I got the album, uh, I'll say it again, um, the Fox Halloween kind of bonanza was being announced and I, I'm listening to this song in, in my boombox at the time with a top loaded CD player mm-hmm. so I put the CD in I'm listening, I get to track 2 I'm listening to this song and I almost imagine them playing it like I was going to see this on Fox the Ultimate Halloween Party I go mm-hmm. this is the best second song I mean if Kiss comes out they should do Psycho Circus right into this song 
Uh, I thought the song was good. I actually like this song a little better without the backwards guitar intro. Take that out, and I think it's a better song. Mm-hmm. Great Cohen. <laughs> this is a, a, a tough song for me. I totally agree with Andrew that that backwards guitar is really um, – it really takes this song down a notch for me. Um, I got to say, though, that I like this song. I just don't like it on the Psycho Circus album. It just doesn't feel like it belongs with all the other songs. I don't know if it's the the guitar work on it. It just feels too sort of steeped in Carnival of Souls or, you know, quote-unquote modern-sounding Kiss for me. So I don't know what song they could have swapped out with this. As much as I like the song, if it comes on my iPod on shuffle, I'll I'll listen to it as but as part of the album, it just doesn't work for me. But I I, I love within. I, I I gotta say one thing just quickly about the intro. When people say Bruce played the backward guitar intro, Bruce played the guitar on this song. Let's be clear. That backward guitar intro is just the middle section played backwards. Right. That's all it is. It's just they took they lifted that bit of guitar from the the, the middle flipped it over and put it at the beginning of the song without any of the other instruments. Right. So, as um, far as my take on the song, it I'm torn because I like the concept, but sometimes the execution is it it leaves me wanting. It sounds like uh, remember on uh, Revenge or Gene like it ain't so bad, you know, it, it's like that mumble kind of singing. <laughs> right. At some point, these lyrics just turn into him mumbling things that mean nothing to me. So lyrically, <laughs> when I read the song, it's fine. Dogs it, without cats. Well, yeah. you know, it, it made me think of like when you when I saw them do this live. I swear to God, Gene was just going da 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 da. Like he didn't even wow, wow, he had wow, no wow, concept wow, of what the wow. words were, and he was just mumbling. And I'm 13. I'm like, yeah, this is awesome. And I go back. I listen to the video and I'm like, what is he saying? Or he just like repeats the same line. It's like, what's going on? He know the words. Or no, I have no idea what the words are. But see, I imagine it's a hard song to play if you're in Kiss and you're and and you are Gene Simmons in front of a Kiss audience because you know they're like it's like a big giant party. You've just uncorked a lot of fun, and all of a sudden you're doing this thing, you know, a night without day, you know, and it's just oh weird. Right? I can, I can just like hear Paul snickering like, okay, that's the song you want to do? Well, All right.
Give me a fucking spotlight. Well, I mean, think about it this way. So, I mean, I know we're only two songs in the album, but what other song, what other Gene song could have been played live from this album? Like, you look at Sonic Boom and Monster, there are great Gene songs on both of those albums, but this, well, I mean, if Gene didn't one. do Within, what's he going to do? We Are One? I would have gotten egged. Why not? I would have loved that. That would have been phenomenal. Imagine okay. that as the, the biggest sing-along in the world. That, yeah, I okay. mean, after Rock and Roll Night, I mean, you couldn't put it at the end. But it could easily be, if they did it right before Rock and Roll Night, you bring up all the lights, and we'll get to this, obviously, we'll get to that song. Bring up all the lights. When he sings that song, I see my face looking back at me, and you look at everybody in the crowd with their makeup on. If you couldn't hear him doing that live, that would be the greatest moment. Like, that song would, I think that song could still be a hit. I mean, people might think I'm insane, but as a Kiss fan, I remember the first time, and we're getting ahead of ourselves, but I remember the first time I heard that song. That song means so much. Like, it's it's their love letter to the fans, I think. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, we're going to get to that. Did we get everybody? I'm within. Bueller? Bueller? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. All right. Did we all give our answers? Did everyone speak? Oh. <laughs> are we awake or are we still just asleep? Oreos nice. without cream. <laughs> Pop without fizz. Dots without lips. Burgers without floor. Well, no matter how we felt about Within, there's some people that pick that track as their favorite from the Kiss Room Facebook page. Who picked that, Matt? Jason Gallinger. Of course, everybody knows Jason from his Kiss Chikara Facebook group. Robert Colbreth, Bernie Bennett, Arnie Slater, Ryan Singer, Brian Holder, Dave Salgado, Sean Rocks, and Dane Ageli. I probably didn't say that right. Our next track is I Pledge Allegiance to the State of Rock and Roll. I know that heaven's gonna wait. I pledge allegiance to the state of rock and roll. My goodness, what a long song title. Gary Schaller, your thoughts? I really like the song. I think it's really well performed. I like the, the songwriting on it. What killed it right away for me, in a way, was hearing the drums when they kick in. Andrew, do you know what I'm talking about? Hearing the like, pow, like, like well, the, two- the drums, the drums kick in, and I, and I go, that ain't Peter Chris. Exactly. <laughs> immediately, like, immediately, I'm- you know it's not Peter Chris on that yeah. track, and it kind of throws the song off the groove. Yeah, it does. It's like the island of missed opportunities that mm-hmm. that a lot of Kiss things sort of dwell on. Uh, whether it's you know doing We Are One live or having you know making sure that everything is played by the right people. That said, you know I, I'm with Matt in terms of celebrating what is there, and I do like the song. I think I, th- I really like the guitar solo on this song, uh, I- irrespective of who played it. I think it's a nice guitar solo. Just imagine this song with the drums of "Do You Love Me," the same kind of beat. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Yeah, that would have worked beautifully. Actually, that's great, Kev. The song was written by Paul Stanley, Holly Knight, and Kurt Cuomo again. Craig Cohen, your thoughts? I love this song. And this song really makes me wish that Kiss had found a way to go in the studio and record a lot more music around this time period leading up to, let's say, 2003. Because Paul's voice here is in such 
such great shape. He sounds phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, and not to say that he's not delivering now, but it's really, you know, you can you can debate when Paul's voice really peaked. You know, some people sort of say Unplugged is sort of the, you know, the greatest moment singing-wise for Paul. But I think Psycho Circus, the album, is a great showcase. And this song really showcases how strong he still was as a singer. Mm-hmm. So, so I really, really dig this song. I, I love the way it sounds. I love the interaction between Paul and the guitars when he sings I'm Satisfied and the, the mm-hmm. guitar sort of doubles that. So I also just really love the sort of overall message of the song. Um, it's almost, you know, like paying gratitude um, for everything that he has due to rock and roll. Um, so yeah, it's, it's one of my it's one of my favorite songs on the album. Matt Porter? I think this is again going back to I think if they if they had really wanted to be honest about it, admitted who was playing the parts, this to me sounds like 80s Kiss. And imagine if they had done this with the idea that it would be with Bruce, have Bruce in there and do it in the style of some of the stuff they had been doing in the 80s. It sounds like it's out of that mode. Yeah, it could it have fit on nights. like, you know, Crazy Nights or, or Hot yes. in the Shade or, you know, it, and in a way, make it a celebration of the fact that we've had this great team of people and celebrate that. And this song is is like, as Craig just said, there's such joy in this song about the feeling that, you know what, rock and roll has has let me have a good life. And you hear that in Paul's voice. And I think that, that the song could have, I think, benefited a little bit more from really just going in that direction. You know, I like the song a lot. You know, and, and if they really had celebrated, hey, look, 80s Kiss was a fun time, too. It would have been good. I like, I really like it. Andrew? I actually really like this song. I actually really like the whole album. There isn't like a song I really dislike on the album. And you must think that Kiss really likes this song too because when Eric Singer first came back into the band in 2004, they did this song on a couple of shows on the Rock the Nation tour in Australia. The song came back and I go, this is kind of cool. I would have loved to have heard this song live in 1998 because remember, this is the first Kiss album I got on the day it came out. So I'm listening to all these songs and I'm like, my God, they have to play all of these songs in the live show because... The album's so great, so I really love this song, and I never skip over it. We pledge allegiance to the state of rock and roll!
mentioned the songs performed live. 40% of this album has been performed live. Psycho Circus Within Into the Void debuted at the special Halloween 1998 concert Dodger Stadium in Los Angeles on October 31st, 1998. They remained in the set for the full Psycho Circus tour. I pledge allegiance to the state of rock and roll had three performances in Australia in May of 2004. I think I think they kept it until like when they did the farewell tour, they they dropped it and they um they only played Psycho Circus and then uh, Into the Void a number of times, but they dropped Within. It was going to be on the Millennium CD, but they it wasn't. Thank God for that. And even though Pledge is not one of my favorite tracks on the album, there's a lot of people who dug it, and some of those people are. We got Michael Porter, and no, he's not related to me. Uh, <laughs> Michael McCollum and Ron Buckley. Excellent. Fantastic. Well, our next track is Into the Void. like to take this one do i have to <laughs> oh, um, um all right it's it's a it's a cool tune uh and it's really really great to hear ace singing on a on a kiss album for me there's just something about this song that doesn't work for me overall though and i don't know if it's the sort of plotting nature of the riff or the chorus, but there's just something that just doesn't connect for me. And and I'll I'll admit that when I listen to this album, I I don't skip over any songs, and I don't skip over this song. And I like it, but there's just something that makes me prevents me from saying it's a great song. And I can't really tap into what that is. Well, you know, when you listen to Shock Me, there's that that groove that just it sticks in your head like an earwig. You can't get rid of it. Right. It's missing on this song. I totally. Gary Schaller into the yeah, void. Wait, sorry, you just mentioned the the shock me groove. Peter's drumming on that song is just inexplicably perfect. You know, it's like and it's like it's groovier than I think Kiss has ever been uh, on right. Shock Me. And there and, is something a little stiff, and nothing against Peter Chris. I thought he actually sounded amazing in '98. There was something a little stiff about uh, his drumming on Into the Void, and I think that's not just due to Peter Chris. I think it's due to a band that is failing to coalesce. Um, in spite of having had, you know, whatever hundreds of hundreds of performances or playing together hundreds of times in the, in the over the course of the past two years, I, I like Into the Void. I think it's a fun song. I love hearing the four of them play together. There is something unrecognizable, I mean, uh, unmistakable rather, and and magical about the sound of those four guys locked in together. From all accounts that I've read, it sounds like it was relatively easy to record. The four of them sat down, they learned their parts, they did it, and they had fun doing it, and it was easy. Uh, I, I think it's an okay song. It, it doesn't really, what I don't know. It, it, it again, I think the missed opportunities thing because Ace sounded really good. His guitar playing was was just fine. Could they have done better? I don't know. And again, this is the only track that all four original members play together on. Andrew Scambetti. I like this track. This might be one of my favorite tracks on the album. Um, again, just piggyback off of what Gary said, there is something unmistakable about when the four original guys play. And there's an argument going on that people say, well, they played on Into the Void, they could play on other things. But you listen to Into the Void, as far as musical ability goes and whatever's going on musically in this song, it's really elementary. 
It's not right. a real hard song. It's not a real complicated song. So it wasn't surprising to me when I read that this was the only song that the four played on because at the time, ability-wise, I think the four people and Kiss could handle this song. Well, um, anytime you have <laughs> lawyers on all four sides, uh, you know, trying to figure out who plays when and on what they play on and stuff like that, it, it, it leads to this kind of trouble. So, cool. Yeah. When I heard that, when I heard that this was the song that they, the four guys played on, I was like, okay, well, I could, I could definitely hear that because the parts they lend themselves to the original members very well. But I don't think this song translates over live as well as it does on the studio record. I think it's a great song on the studio album, but I listen to it live and I go, oh, something is missing live. There's, a, it just falls flat live. Trick or treat, huh? I'll tell you one thing, this is a real treat for us. We're gonna do a song for you now, this comes off the album. Cycle Circle. Ace is gonna sing this one. One of the three tenors. Ace, talk to the people. Tonight you're gonna go into the void. One, two. 
you know what it is? I think partly one of the things I adore about this record, just through and through, is the um, is the attention that arrangements got as far as guitars. Like going back one song to um, uh, "I Pledge Allegiance," right? Uh-huh. I loved at the time listening to this album with my guitar in hand, plugged into an amp, and learning all the intricate guitar parts. It's not complicated guitar parts, but um, the during the verses of uh, I Pledge Allegiance, the you know, all that stuff that's going on with the rhythm guitar. Same with the choruses of Into the Void. You have that sort of, um, I, I, don't, I don't have the vocabulary for it, but the like that kind of stuff with the played on the higher strings, like the E and the mm-hmm. B string. Um, and I love the rich arrangements. On a stage, uh, at a KISS concert, you know, KISS is really Neanderthal in, in like every good way possible. It's stompy rock that is heavy. And it's hard to translate those little intricate parts uh, unless I think it's the 80s or the early 90s and you've got Bruce Kulick and you've got uh, Eric Carr or Eric Singer um, to, to modulate it down or to tone it down a little bit um, in, in what they're playing and let everything else breathe a little. The, the classic KISS sound isn't like that. It's everyone fully stomping at the same time, and that's great, but things like that get lost. Right. All right, Matt Porter, your thoughts on Into the Void. Kind of talking about the way Gary just said, you know, you sit with your own guitar. This song actually has the one thing that I can play that Ace does, where you turn the one pickup down and the other one up, and you kind of toggle back and forth. It goes, eh, eh, eh. I'm good at that. But, the, um, you know, really, to me, this is what I was looking for in this record, was the return of Ace's voice, mm-hmm. obviously the return of Peter's voice on later, you know, later in the album. Those early Kiss albums that feature everyone singing, I think that's something that really defines those early albums, that it's a band, that everyone is participating. Uh, by the time it hits this song, I'm, I really love the fact that there's Ace's voice on a Kiss album. And I think that meant it meant the world to me then. I think it still does when you listen to it. Uh, obviously, it's a, it's an ace song. It sounds like an ace song. They go through it like an ace song. I think that's really one of the things that, if anything, that's lacking. I wish that there was more of their voices together on other songs. But the fact that it was an ace song here on a Kiss album, I really like it. I think it's good. And yeah, it's heavy on kind of the spaceman into the void, blah blah blah. But it's not like it doesn't feel as crammed in. You know, it just it seems like a more organic kind of use of the images. So I really like it. Well, yeah, when this came out, I wasn't sick of Ace singing about space invading right. into the void. I wasn't right. sick of this. Was still cool. 2015. Right. I'm sick of it. Well, that that right. riff, right? That Ace plays is it's just too repetitive. That part where mana mana it's not it it to me it's not a great Ace Frehley riff, and that's what we needed for this song. So. Ken, are you, is it like your ear kind of gets exhausted by it, right? Exactly. By the time that you're like halfway through the song, it's like, is there anything else you could have come up with? Just let the chord ring out a little bit, you know, and sing, you know. Like, in shock me. Yeah. You know, so, anyhow. Well, Into the Void, it's Into the Vote, so who picked this Ace Fraley sang song as their favorite? Into the Void got a lot of votes. Mo Shaloff, John Phillips, Tina Knight, Jumpy McLeish, Ted Decker, Alex Walker, John Cochran, Ian Murray, the Ian Murray, the Ian Murray. Desiree Kunkin, Michael Keller, Scott Stein, Stan Tretrelaud, I can't say your last name, Stan, I'm sorry, and Bob Erickson. Excellent. And now, my favorite song on the album, We Are One, 
and I agree with Matt Porter and we're going to give this right back to you but I'm going to say Matt I feel that this song along with another song were two of the biggest missed opportunities for singles and videos Freak and We Are One and they could have been the same kind of message the same kind of sincerity the same kind of video Matt Porter take it away We Are One yeah, I mean, obviously, I ranted about it earlier. I was kind of shot out of a cannon as we as we even got into it, even earlier in the show. I love this song. I have so much good feeling for it. To me, it sums up everything as far as you know. You're feeling that you know when he says every every everything I know and what I know is true. Every one of us is inside of you, man. The music has been on our turntables and in our heads. And in like the quotes that you make and the jokes that you tell for decades, it's like those lyrics seem to speak exactly to that of how much it has all meant to us for so many years. So I thought this summed it up so well. So, I mean, I mean, I would love to see them do it live. I think it would be a tremendous, you know, kind of experience that they could do with it. Like I said, I think that the uh, the idea that it really was their love letter to the fans, you know, and and the line where he says, "And I see my face looking back at me." How many performers can look out and see their their face? There's everybody's wearing the makeup, and I think it's got to be in some ways still somewhat surreal, you know, when they look out, they see people that are painted up like them. And I thought the imagery of that was phenomenal, and I still this this song makes it to many a playlist for me. I agree. Written by Gene, who played some guitar on the track, while Paul would play bass and acoustic guitars. Gene did several rewrites of this song before it reached an arrangement which he was satisfied with. Minor lyrical changes would take place with the verses being moved around. Uh, this did pretty good as far as a single. Uh, in the USA, it did not chart. In Australia, it reached number 40. In Norway, number 18. And in Sweden, number 31. Just imagine if they would have put a video behind that and put it on VH1. Every I heard they were the working hour. on one at the time, right? There was rumor of it. Mm -hmm. Gary Schaller? Love it. Uh, what Matt said. Okay. Y y you know, just, uh, I think he said it perfectly. Thank you. Craig? I really, really like this song. And as much as I said, I thought um, Paul's voice was in peak form here. I think Gene does some wonderful, wonderful, remarkable singing on this album as well. I don't think he really gets into this register anymore. Um, there's a lot of emotion in this vocal, and I love the jangly, clean guitars. Um, overall, I said that this is a, a great-sounding Kiss album, and this is a great-sounding Kiss song. Mm -hmm. Andrew? You know, initially when I got the album, I was always skipping over this song because I was like, where's, where's the rock? You know, as 13-year-old me, was like, where's the rock and roll? But as I go back and listen to this album, I actually really like this song. I don't really think it would have translated well live. I know I'm in the minority here. I think it's an okay song. It's good on the album. Um, but again, I don't think it would have been the live track that we're all uh, talking about today. Right. This and Psycho Circus are my two favorite songs <clears throat> off the album. And uh, 
I, again, missed opportunity. Just such greatness. We Are One, and on the Kiss Room Facebook page, the people who liked We Are One are... This one got a lot of votes as well. Dan Geller, Patrick McCarthy, Carol Hurst, Corey Nowlin, Daniel Diaz, Brian Bennett, Dana Phillips, Mike Padilla, Troy Wilderson, Bob Kramer, Chris Atherton, Gary Schaller, of course, picked that one, Suzanne Freeman Berg, Robert Ramilio, and Matthew Brook. We would also like to dedicate this episode to our families and uh, in Craig's case, his cat. And uh, <laughs> I don't know what the hell you have. Right, Bodies right behind you. Uh, he didn't even look up, Ken. Seriously, we'd like to thank our families who tolerate a lot of our nonsense where we can get 90 minutes away to talk about Kiss once a month or so. So we dedicate this episode to them. We raise our glasses <laughs> to our loved ones. Nice. Right on. And I love you guys. Love you back. Group hug. Group hug. <laughs> Group hug. All right. Everyone around the nation, raise your glasses. Raise your glasses. I'm so glad I finally found my way to you guys. I am. Oh, <laughs> come on. We are one. We are a we scene, are. man. Well, Matt, thank you. Craig. Thanks, thank guys. You. I got to go. I got to go to work. All right. All right tear it up. Stay, stay, stay safe. Stay safe. Be good. See ya. Yeah. Everyone stay safe and warm. God bless. Right on. All right. Take care. All right. See ya. And this concludes our discussion of side one, and we will see you soon for our discussion on side two of Psycho Circus. And that is our show. Thanks again for listening. Be sure to check us out on the web at www.podcast.com. You can also find us on Facebook and on iTunes. If you'd like to contact the podcast, please drop us a line at podcast at gmail.com. Big thanks to Julian and everyone at kissfaq.com. They've got great information there and a terrific message board, too. Thanks also to Keith LaRue and everyone else at Kiss Online for their great work representing the hottest band in the land. And as always, a big thanks to Paul Stanley, Gene Simmons, Ace Fraley, Peter Chris, Vinnie Vincent, Bruce Kulick, Eric Singer, Tommy Thayer, and the memory of the late, great Eric Carr, and the late, great Mark St. John. You are KISS, and we are your army. Podcast is created by the KISS Army for the KISS Army, and it is available for free as an internet download. If you like what you hear on our show, go buy it and support the people who made it. Podcast is not affiliated with KISS or any of its members past or present. On behalf of myself, Ken, and the whole rest of the Podcast crew, thank you for listening to Podcast, the KISS fanzine for your ears. Check out these ads for the following shows. We're proud to call these guys the friends of the Podcast Network. We are one. That's right, Kiss Army. We're having a rock and roll party, and you are invited. Tune into the Strange Ways Kiss Podcast and hang out with your Kiss Army brothers, Jody Habnock, Clinton Harris, and D Rock. Join us where we celebrate and discuss the gods of thunder. Yes! That's Strange Ways Kiss Podcast. You can find us on Facebook or Podomatic.com. We'll see you there. Oh, we're great at that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's, we are amateurs. Yeah, I make all the sex sounds with my mouth afterwards. Squish. The stuff you shoot.
makes people say, I feel slightly dumber for having masturbated to that. You wanted the best, you got the best. And if you want the hottest show on Monco Radio, join us in the Kiss Room. The Kiss Room is a monthly radio broadcast celebrating the hottest band in the world. Kiss! It's your place for all things Kiss and some... For broadcast dates and all information, go to thekissroom.com. The Kiss Room broadcasts live and worldwide on Monco Radio, where music and minds meet. This is a my bad kind of scenario. Totally. I had no idea you couldn't light a car on fire in Los Angeles. Now we know. Can't burn a car anywhere, actually. Oh, you can. I've burned like 40 cars and never been arrested for it. It's a great way to get rid of evidence. Yeah. Probably shouldn't tell me that. We're on the same team here. We're, We're detectives. For now, when we solve our friend's murder, we will become vigilantes. Yes. That's illegal. You can't be a vigilante. Why? Why? Batman doesn't. There's no such thing as Batman and being what? a vi- What? You are so wrong. If you go to Gotham right now, Batman is, is taking the line to his own hands. Batman is a fictitious character. Batman is the alter ego of yeah. Bruce Wayne, who's, who's real, a real person. Obviously. In the movie, he's a real... In the documentaries. I'm sorry? There's yeah. like a million Batman documentaries about Batman. There's one from the 70s, and then there's some from the 90s, and they just had three in the last like decade. There's like three new documentaries yeah. about Batman. Do you have any idea what the term documentary means? Yeah, non-porno with, movies. With, with real people. English patient. You guys belong in a mental institution. That's how we met, actually. It was lovely. Yeah. Look. History Science Theater, the most civilized. Yeah. Oh, f- <laughs> oh, f- <laughs> come on. Respectful. Just imagine Gene it's with like, like a with like a washtub base. <laughs> and serious. No way. Excuse me, Bob. You're gonna come over and do my album. <laughs> Kiss podcast on the web. History Science Theater. We bust balls because we care. Podcast Rock City. What's up, everybody? This is Joe from Podcast Rock City, where every week me and my crew will bring you the Kiss News of the Week. Look at this as kind of a Kiss version of Meet the Press, your source for Kiss News every week. We're on iTunes, Podomatic, Twitter, and Facebook. Nice, right? I'm glad you wore your nice flip flops. Stay frosty, man. Okay. And do I sound all right? <clears throat> no, um, but it's fine. Now, <laughs> listen. If you guys hear wow. me breathing, no, I'm serious. Is, is the sound okay? Yeah, it's oh, fine. Um, how about now? If you guys hear me breathing, let me know. If we don't hear you breathing, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, exactly approach. right. <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't know if I had the microphone shoved right up my nasal cavity, but it sounded uh, like you know. Well, I th- it all began in 1976. I was a little lad at the time, and uh, to I stop, recollect- to stop. We all have lives. True. Okay. True. Rock and roll and vinyl are meant to go together. <laughs> like drummers and strippers. <laughs> That's right. So maybe it's time to hop on down to your local record store and go digging for some lost gems on vinyl. And that's exactly what we do here at the Shabby Road Record Show. We pick selections from our own personal record collections, and then we discuss the songs, the artists, the albums, and the stories about the music that you may have never heard. And there's nothing more fun than listening to two knuckleheads spinning vinyl and talking music. So dive on into the five-star rated podcast, The Shabby Road Record Show. You can subscribe for free on iTunes, Spreaker, and Stitcher, where there's a new episode released every Tuesday. Also, you can find us on Facebook and at our website, shabbyroadrecordshow.com. 
Doctors define modern rock disorder as a sudden, intense drop in musical taste affecting all facets of the victim's lives and the lives of those around them. Over 20 million Americans suffer. Do you? Is your newfound love of Axe body spray, leather wristbands, and mountains of hair care products driving those close to you crazy? Has your overwhelming desire to crank Nickelback, drink a sixer of Natty Ice, and yell at girls from the back of a pickup truck seriously impaired your work or social life? The Decibel Geek Podcast offers new hope. The Decibel Geek Podcast, the only podcast proven effective for MRD. The Decibel Geek Podcast corrects the chemical imbalance created by listening to bands like Theory of a Dead Man and Three Doors Down, so that with time and your hosts Chris and Aaron's help, you can move toward recovery. MRD hurts. The Decibel Geek Podcast can help. Visit www.decibelgeek.com to begin the road to recovery. Every year, tragedy affects us all, whether it be a news reporter, a radio announcer, or an interviewer mispronouncing Mr. Ace Fraley's name. How many times has this happened to you? How many times have you wanted to throw your shoe at a television or kick a radio into a pool? I am Ian Farthington III, and I am here today to speak out on public awareness to properly pronounce Ace Fraley's name. It is not freely. It has never been freely. It never will be freely. So please, while you can, inform other people that it is indeed Ace Fraley. Ace Fraley. It's Fraley, not freely. This message paid for by the committee to make sure that people know Ace Fraley's name is indeed Ace Fraley. Tell someone while you can that Ace Fraley's name is indeed Ace Fraley. It's Fraley, not freely. Thank you.